When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's up, Geekscapists? Welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. I'm Jonathan London, your host, and we continue to record the show remotely uh, during quarantine and COVID-19, and there's been tons of news about that. So if you all are brand new Geekscape listeners, we're going to talk a little bit about pop culture and movies, video games, comic books. That's kind of what I think you were in store for when you downloaded a podcast called Geekscape. So I just don't want any surprises. If you're a longtime Geekscapist, well, welcome back. I'm glad to have you. Grab your favorite drink set up maybe you're uh, driving somewhere and listening to this on the podcast and not watching live uh and hey drive carefully okay i don't want you like swerving all over the lanes i once got an email from my good friend martin share up in toronto who said i almost wrecked my car listening to geekscape i was laughing my ass off well sorry about that but i guess if you're gonna wreck your car uh there are worse ways to do it than listening to this show. Uh, then again, maybe the, there are a lot of better ways to do it too. Uh, let's not get into the semantics on that one. I just want to let you all, all know here at Geekscape, you're an award winner. Uh, the Geekscape co-produced uh, film Chasing Fletcher Allen that opened at film festivals online, but still counts in this 2020, uh, actually won some awards this past weekend. As you all know, we've been playing for over a week at the Lady Filmmakers Film Festival, which was an online film festival that... Uh, usually is held in Beverly Hills. Usually this film festival is in person and uh, has all the bells and whistles, but this year they were forced to go online and we played online for a week and are still playing online for another week uh, as of the recording of this on the 5th of October. But what was really awesome was we were nominated for three awards. Heidi got nominated for Best Actress, Phil Lamar got nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and the film got uh, actually nominated for Best Comedy and we came home with the Best Comedy Award and a Best Supporting Actor uh, Award for Phil. So let's all pat ourselves on the back. Congratulations, Geekscapists. You are now a part of an award-winning film. Let me see. Wait, I think Doc of the Dead won some awards, too. So you were a part of that one. Uh, but, hey, 
We're winners here at Geekscape. Uh, so maybe you came to Geekscape because you're like, hey, I'm a geek. I'm living my life as a loser and I can't take it anymore and I want to find like-minded people like myself. Well, you've come to the right place because now we're winners, all right? But I always thought y'all were winners whether or not you're listening from uh, Long Island and your name is Big Yanks or maybe you're listening here in Los Angeles. Wherever you are around the world, I think you're a winner. But awesome, we are officially winners uh, recently. So there's that. Um want to remind everybody that while you're winning, there's actually a pretty precarious situation we're all in here in the United States. So I'm going to need all of y'all to vote. Uh, some of your states are starting to wrap up their registrations to vote. Go to vote.gov, vote.gov, and register to vote if you haven't. Uh, tell your friends and family to vote. Tell anybody you, you, you think uh, <laughs> might still be undecided or for some insane reason has the fiction in their heads that, I don't know, both sides just kind of seem the same. What's the point? I don't really see why I should bother. It's all the same anyway. Um, I think by this point, uh, it's pretty clear that this is not all the same. Uh, Trump came down with COVID last week, and he just walked out of Walter Reed after three days of treatment with some, I don't know, Bruce Banner super serum that they injected him with to keep him alive. He steps out with his mask, immediately takes it off, and now he's gasping for air. Uh, So it's not the same. The myth that uh, the anti-science, anti-intelligence real myth that is, is being perpetuated here um that is one that is dangerous and let's vote against it let's go ahead and uh flip this table november 3rd so but we're going to need everybody to vote and we're i'm guessing that the smart side is going to have to vote by a pretty wide margin to avoid any kind of shenanigans that might come as a result of uh you know the conspiracy theories that are going to start bouncing around and already have started bouncing around going into the election so again let's make it super simple you're going to go and vote your friends and family are going to go and vote and you're going to keep putting on the pressure to vote and, uh, and, and try and score one for intelligence and decency uh, going into the election. All right. So let's just keep the pressure on. We only have to be annoying <laughs> for one more month. All right. If you, if you think about it, you only have to be annoying for one more month. I've been annoying for a lot longer than that. Uh, so you can do it. I believe in you. I can believe that you can be as annoying as me for one month. All right. Um, and that is what I've got to say on that subject. Go out there and vote. Um, to kind of show y'all how to really work with somebody as annoying as uh, as me, here is my co-host, Katie Elsa Esper. <laughs> Katie, how are you, kiddo? Uh, look, I just need to address the elephant in the room. Um, okay. I'm dressed up right now for a job that I have to head off to right after this podcast. So... Uh... <laughs> You're wearing a bow tie, and yeah. I gotta ask you: Does it mm-hmm. spin? Can you like flick it? Does it spin? What kind of like special gadgets Ooh. does it have? This is it's, you know, if I could figure out how to make this thing turn, just like be like do my eyebrows, and it just goes woo woo woo, mm-hmm. that would be great. Uh, don't have that ability. This is just a plain old Jeff Bezos Amazon purchase, which uh, you know, I'm just I'm buying into the monotony of evil that's fine i love uh, that you bought from a supervillain to look like a supervillain i but... 100% do i'm just you know listen i'm a white american person and i just have to play the part now so i have a bow tie on yeah no i legitimately i have to do like as soon as this podcast is over i have to go <laughs> host a show for a bunch of kids in australia <laughs> 
Listen, oh, that's what the strict timeline right there. Yeah, no. Listen, his kids in Australia. Listen. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they're good kids. They're good kids, and I'm excited for it. It's just you know we're all doing our gigs. We're all <laughs> we're all trying to make ends happen. So you know. Yeah, but most of us are working from home in our boxer shorts, and you're putting on bow ties. I think you're going hey, in the opposite direction than most of us. I've, got, I've got the sweatpants on. Okay. All right. I got, All right. I got the button-up shirt and the bow tie. Because, you know, you, when you work for the corporate world, you got to look like the corporate world. Katie, aren't they open like and pretty safe over there in Australia? Weren't they like really early adopters to the yeah. whole science and the precautionary measures? Like, why aren't they just actually getting their entertainment live? They have to get somebody <laughs> from the other side of the planet to entertain them and dress like this. I think they're throwing a gag on you. I think this whole thing is a, is a setup. Setup. Yeah. Oh. I'm the boob, aren't I? I'm All the- I got to say, Katie, is I'm going to leave the window open once you leave. And if for some reason you pop into the video and they have a lower thirds that says, let's see how stupid the American is, feel free to just bail. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> epic paycheck. Come back to Geekscape. <laughs> I would never do that to you. Okay? I appreciate that. I really do appreciate that. It's been- You and I have a contract. If there's gonna be a dumb American on the show, it's gonna be me. Okay, all right. Well, that's good. Uh, yeah, no, I'm definitely leading hard into the dumb American right now. <laughs> okay. All right, Katie. Um, real quick though, I did take yeah. your advice because you are smarter than me, and I watched Enola Holmes on Netflix. I got to tell you, which you that's think? that's the best movie I've seen this year. It's, it's, it's fun. It's it's it, like don't think about it in the context of Sherlock Holmes, just like the whole gamut of Sherlock Holmes as is. <laughs> But like as a fun Why isn't movie. he taking opium? Like right, right, right. <laughs> that never Why isn't he an home. asshole? Yeah. No, it's just no. it's just a fun movie. And this the same could be said to, to uh Ted Lasso. Like that's another one that I highly, highly recommend. Ted but, Lasso yeah. was great. Anola Holmes was fantastic. I loved yeah. how tight it was and it just kept yeah. moving from the writing to the acting to the camera. They, they they killed it on that one. And I was able to segue the uh the the good fortune, like you know. Heidi watched it with me, and uh-huh. she's usually not up for these kind of movies. Mm-hmm. But I got to roll it right into Vampires versus the Bronx, also on Netflix, which is sort of like an Attack the Block type kids okay. living. In the, yeah, so you're I'm already down with there. it because okay. I love Attack the Block, but okay. Um, but these kids living in the Bronx, and it's sort of a gentrification message. But these white folks start coming to their neighborhood and buying up <laughs> properties. And there's something a little bit more serious about them. They're effing vampires. And if you like Block, and if you like Monster Squad and that kind of thing, it's mm-hmm. on Netflix. And I think it's a lot of fun. The quote for 2020 should be fucking white people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I got to tell you, uh, every month of this year <laughs> is really a year in of itself. So you're actually allowed to get uh, 11 quotes so far um or 10 look at this this is nominated for best actress heidi cox just came into the recording studio if you are watching this live on the video uh heidi's right here and uh heidi can you come over to the mic please i just need to interview you for two seconds before i bring our guest i just uh, i'm relate this to her because she can't hear you because you got but um congratulations congratulations i'm so glad and congratulations on winning best comedy short oh thank you congratulations to you, Katie, and congratulations to you, Jonathan, because that was a team effort, was it not? It was a team effort. I'm yeah. sorry you did not win your Best Actress Award. Oh, but it's okay. There were like 150 films, and I got narrowed down to 11. I was in a company of like 10 other girls, so and they were all very talented. So That's awesome. On to the next one. Yes. What? There she is. Co-writer, 
producer of our best comedy winning oh, I'm so exciting. I know. I'm so happy. <laughs> and I was just fixing that back there because I saw, I was watching it from it in the dining room and the closet was open. <laughs> yes. Oh, shit. <laughs> that mummy could have come out of the closet. That's a surprise I'm saving for the Halloween episode. <laughs> I've so got, oh, my goodness. Yeah, this, I mean... Sorry. Like your bow tie. Bow yeah, ties are cool. yeah. Thanks. Um, I'm basically a Chippendale stripper right now. I guess that's all it is. <laughs> you're stripping for a bunch of kids in Australia. So. <laughs> that's what uh, I do. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't mean to spoil the Halloween episode of the Halloween surprise, but I've been keeping uh, reanimated corpses in my closet. And thank goodness Heidi did not let those out. All right. Let's get to it. We You've got some movie recommendations to check out later today. When you're done with the Geekscape, but let's get to the meat of our show. Our good buddy Valley, uh, I think I pronounced his name right. I'm not even going to try to chew on his last name. But what's cool about him is that he is a writer producer on 30 Rock and Modern Family, and he came out with this brand new graphic novel. And during quarantine, he's like, dude, how do I find a publisher? I think I'm just going to put this thing online so you all can read it for free right now at geniusanimals.net. I'm going to start mangling my words the faster I go, but it's at geniusanimals.net. Dot net. You can read the book for free. And what's really cool is I discovered Valley by him just sending me an unsolicited email. Uh, I think he was looking up that geek on Google and was like, what podcast can I go to? And I found Geekscape. I'm going to send this dude an email. And I responded immediately. It was like, hey, the art on this book is sick. You seem like a really cool guy. Let's get you on Geekscape so Katie can butcher your last name. So without further... <laughs> Delay. Here's Valley to talk to you all, all about genius animals. How are you, buddy? Hey, everybody, doing great. <laughs> that, was, that was excellent work with my name. Thank you so much. <laughs> Just gonna steer clear. I know my limitations, sir. I know my limitations. Yeah, yeah. I didn't appreciate the attacks on my president earlier in the show, but I don't want to. I don't want to deal that. I don't tell want to us, delve into politics right now. No, Valley, tell us, tell us about your your love of the president. Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I was mentioning earlier, my wife is running for city council here in Los Angeles. And part of the reason that's great, uh, it's great because she she's very frustrated with homelessness in L.A. and has actual policies to try and implement that. She's an urban planner by training. But I like it. Because it gives me something I can focus on that isn't national politics right now, which is can be very crazy <laughs> making for a lot of people. So I can obsess about something smaller and more local. And I can a little bit like I can volunteer on the campaign or make phone calls and things like that. So that is I feel like there's general craziness going about right now. <laughs> and a lot of my friends have different methods of doing it, whether like watching an entire TV show in one night or whenever I go to buy booze, like it's the busiest they've ever been at the liquor store. But that <laughs> is, it's like, it's like the command central in Apollo 13. Every time I go over there, it's just such chaos, but that's, that's how I've been getting through it this period now. Yeah. I love that there are lines around the liquor store and the gun stores here in Los Angeles. Oh. That's a, uh, that's got to be. Oh, I have not seen the lines around the gun store. I, that makes I, sense I don't know right. if you've ever been towards like Burbank area. There's literally a store called gun world. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know Gun World. Yeah. yeah, of course. We all know Gun World. But I've driven by it and I've like I've seen like a line out the door just like down the street. And I was like, oh, this is terrifying. This is America. Yeah, welcome. Uh, Gun World is going down. Uh well, Valley, I love that you, uh, first off, I think that the platform that your wife is running on is a really important one as somebody who does a lot of 
Uh, I run a lot outdoors and I see firsthand, whether it's the LA River or Balboa Park or any of these areas, LA does have a homeless problem that it wrestles with a lot. And I think a lot of cities are. My native Austin, Texas has a big oh, homeless yeah. population. And um, I, I started watching this YouTube series called The Soft White Underbelly, which is a documentarian who made a lot of money in advertising. And he, go check it out on YouTube if, if you're listening to this, but he brings in people who are homeless and he interviews them about the abuse in their lives that, has le that have led to them being homeless, whether it's physical abuse growing up or addiction or any of these unstable environments um, that normalize instability to the point where when the bottom falls out on you, you say, hey, this is actually an option that I can deal with and I'm going to be homeless. And our treatment of the homeless is obviously the barometer for how well we treat each other in this society. Um, so I think that's an incredible uh, platform. And I'm going to say right here on Geekscape, while we went out and said, told people to get the vote, she's got mine. Let's do that. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. Well, yeah. I'd like to share her name right here. Her name is, her name is Nithya Raman. And I actually will say one thing about homelessness that I, as we live in this area and we see it a lot, one fascinating thing is she started uh, this volunteer group that went around our neighborhood and talked to every homeless person to find out like what services they need, what's going on. And the, what they learned was sort of fascinating and that there is a lot of what you're talking about addiction and background stuff, but there's also this other thing that's happening that right now rent is going up really fast in Los Angeles. And it's kind Which of crazy. It's so antithetical to like what it seems to be like the issue. Like it feels like there's going to be a lot of vacancies. People are kind of going back home to their parents and like, and not, filling these spaces it seems like there's going to be more spaces for people to occupy and yet the prices are going up that yes it's sort of happening in the very short run since coronavirus it feels like maybe there is a little bit of uh, slack in the market but over the last 10 years like rent has gone up a huge amount of money and what seems to be happening is as people get priced out of their place they they end up thinking something else happens at the same time and they end up like leaving their apartment for a while. And it's always temporary at the beginning. Mm. But once you leave, it becomes really hard and they stay in their neighborhoods because that's where their friends are. That's where they have some support structure. And it, it will really open my eyes. And it's not the way I thought about it before that these aren't, these are people who lived in houses around me before. And that's not what you always, you hear the story of, some big addiction issue and they're coming from all over the place. So I know we're, we're this is not the geekiest of topics, but it's it if you live in LA right now, it's impossible to not think about it all the time. Valley, I've been doing the show for 15 years. We cover everything. And all I want to know is <laughs> politics is pretty geeky. Just want to put that out there. Yeah. Yes. The thing that interests me the most, and I don't mean to be callous is you live in Silver Lake, this, um, this, this initiative that they went out and started talking to homeless people, uh, how many hipsters did they accidentally interview uh, <laughs> thinking they were homeless people, but they were really just people who had let their like beers grow too much and were like wearing clothes from the 70s? That's that a great out. question. This is where longitudinal work, like where you're really going to the same people every week, allows you to not make errors like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you get a finely tuned eye. To be able to tell what the the, the choice hipster from lifestyle <laughs> brought them this way over here is there, is there wax in that beard? Let me see. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this a strong man, old timey strong man look that I'm actually looking at? Yeah. 
Right. <laughs> I mean, speaking about uh, like a uh, documentary and like all that, um, I was just reading the second chapter of your your online comic, and um, I love one. I love the fact that you have basically a Werner Herzog character, which is animated. Like it looks like Werner Herzog. Um, but- yeah, Katie. It is Werner Herzog. No, it is Werner, not Sog. Okay. For legal reasons, we did not use Werner (laughs) (laughs) But, like, the voice you gave him was so on point. (laughs) I was just like, how, I mean, obviously, we're all very obsessed with Werner Herzog and how he speaks and how he, like, sees the world. But how did you kind of come into that character? I mean, I have loved, so so just the, the high level view is genius animals is about this girl who's in a relationship and and she thinks things are going well. Her name is Alexandra Lakshmi. And one day her boyfriend just ghosts her. Yeah. And she's trying, and then she has to figure out like, did this guy just bail on me? And if she looks into it, she starts to wonder, or do I have to save all of humanity? And I wrote it when I was on 30 Rock and our hours were really long, so I would come home after work. And I was married already, but my wife was like me, born in the United States, but she was living in India. So I was like, I'm just going to write the craziest movie script I can think of, something that's totally unfilmable. There was something on 30 Rock that I really loved that Tina Fey was like, Jack and Liz, on any other show, we would arc them into having a romantic relationship. And I don't want to do that. Like, uh, let's try and figure out a way to make an interesting show where we don't just ship them, which is, I I always thought was really fascinating. Mm -hmm. And she thought, she realized something, which is once you, if you, if that's the engine of the show, once you get them together, the tension drains out of it. And then it's really hard to keep that up in this, in the similar way moving forward shows like cheers, they kind of reset and they moved Diane out and they brought Christy Alley in to sort of restart that whole thing. But you sort of saw it on the office where it was an amazing show and you were really locked into that Jim Pam thing. But then once they're together, like it just becomes a different show and you root for them in a different, different kind of way. So she was like, I'm not doing that. So when I was writing at at night, I was like, I love that choice that she made. But the main main drive that people think about in movies is falling in love and being in love. And I actually don't have a lot of experience writing that problem. But how do you find a new weird twist on that? So that's sort of where I started from. I was like, let me try and do a weird movie about two people who are in love. And I started breaking this story that I thought was like this sort of funny, fun crying of Lot 49 or Big Lebowski kind of weird comedy mystery. And I kind of broke it from there. And I was around this same time really obsessed with the idea of like why human beings need narratives. Like why do we need stories to make sense of the world around us? Because we know most of the time like those two things, they just happen to happen in my day. They don't they're not necessarily related, but that's not very satisfying yeah, <laughs> at all. Search for that's, meaning kind of like gets in our way. Did you, you read Sapiens? The book? Completely. Yeah. Yes. So I, that this was around the time I was getting into that and wondering like, well, why do we need that? And Sapiens brings up this interesting point, which is, well, that idea, being able to string together stories and communicate them to other human is why we're not just one of you know, millions of random species on earth. It's why we humans now dominate earth. But at the same time, it also 
is why every newspaper has a mindfulness column now and everyone has a meditation app on their phone because if you're always trying to make a story, you have that voice in your head and it makes you insane. Yeah. You always are trying to string together stuff. So I was like, what if we can do a love story where the main character is left between two terrible choices? Not being able to trust her mind and thinking that she's insane or trusting her mind, and it's the most insane story that she's ever heard in her life, and she wants to not believe it. And that yeah. was kind of a fun, a fun kernel for me to to play with, and that ended up being the genesis of this whole book. How long did it take to write the book? How long did it marinate in your head? You know, because we have those marinations, and sometimes they take a decade. Sometimes they, they right. happen very quickly. How long did uh, this one? marinate and then you're like okay i'm gonna put it down on paper and then that that next process is finding the artist this was i'm guessing your first foray into graphic novels or comics and there's some learning curves in there like how long did the whole process take in those pieces oh my god this this took me as long as possible and i did all of it wrong i hope to say this in a way that if you have an idea in your head you should go make your you should pick up your graphic novel and make it because i i think i had the kernel of the idea kind of the mystery in college and i played around with it for a while which was a long time ago for me and then i wrote the movie script 10 years ago just as a spec script thinking like all right right, I'll try and get other movie work off of this in, as a feature writer. And that worked. And I actually got some other work and I, and I had some fun times with that. But I always, it always sort of stuck in my craw. Like, I like this story and it's a bummer that only me and a couple of film executives have ever read it. Like, what could I do <laughs> about it? And people would say to me, like, well, have you ever thought about making it an animated movie? And I would say, like, no, I want it to feel real. Like, there's something... Do you guys remember when you first watched The Matrix? Like <laughs> there's that time when they talk, started talking about deja vu and suddenly you're like, oh, I experienced deja vu. Like The Matrix could be a crazy explanation of not a fantasy world, but the world I live in. And that made it click and made it more fun on a whole new level for me than almost any other sci-fi movie I've ever seen. And so I, I kind of like Genius Animals as like, what if this was a crazy, without revealing the mystery behind it, what if this was real? And as I started to think about it, I eventually met up with this artist who ended up doing the, the book, June Pierre Shiazawa. I, one day, a couple of years ago, I, my wife came up to me and we had four year, we had two year old twins at the time. And she was like, my friend from art school is teaching a watercolor landscape painting class in Ireland. When was the last time we have ever just looked at something beautiful and painted it? And I was like, never, I'm not an artist. I've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I do that? Well, this sounds great because we're very tired all the time right now. So we, I signed up to this class and June is a fine artist. Like he's a great watercolor painter. And we, we took it and he just has knows a he's been a comics fan his whole life. He grew up in America, but he's half Japanese and he lives in France. So he knows Japanese, you know, manga. He knows the history of European comics. He knows he loves just like, like, you know, Jack Kirby style American comics. And he loved, he knew about all of this stuff and we got to talking and I started to realize like, Oh, you know, in a comic book, I don't like when I, 
when I read Saga, I don't think of it as an animated movie. I'm picturing Star Wars or something, some big universe. Because of the genre, we do, we think of it as just the that's just the way we're telling the story, and that it's not necessarily telling a, a cartoon story. Maybe we could do Genius Animals as a graphic novel, and it would feel like it's really taking place on this Earth. And he and I started talking about it. And I just gave him the movie script and he, I didn't know how to write a comic and break it out that way. And over a couple of, I guess I gave it to him three years ago and he kind of sketched it out. And we, as, as, and he showed me the first kind of like sketches of what he thought it would look like. I had no idea what I was looking at. I had no <laughs> idea about the pacing of it or anything. Right. And I was like, sure, let's, I guess so. Very smart to let him dictate those things because as someone just coming into the medium and trying to direct the pacing. And the, what's really important is the page turns too, making sure that you have an incentive to turn the page at the bottom of, you know, right of the page uh, or in manga, the bottom left. Uh, it's incredible. And it's a, it's kind of a big learning curve for people who just like you and I say, or Katie say, Oh, the rule of thumb page a minute. Mm. Yeah. Yes. yes, it totally. And he was he was amazing at it. And we just kind of developed the vocabulary of pacing the jokes in mm -hmm. a way that we didn't really know how to do. Because I remember telling June, like, this joke isn't funny and I don't really know why. Like, if I was on set with Ed O'Neill or Alec Baldwin, I would say, like, don't hit it so hard. Throw that joke away. Sure. What would you do with that? And so we kind of worked that out and we kind of developed like, oh, this is what the comic tone is over time. And he brought a lot to it. And a lot of it was experimentation. And I got to say, be, like 10 years into writing, sort of starting from scratch and not knowing what I was doing and like sort of seeing it again for the first time, it became one of the most fun creative experiences of my career. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, something that that was really great, um, especially in the very beginning of the comic, is that like you wrote the female characters so well. Um, a, a lot of the bar experience, I was like, I've had the same exact <laughs> moment with friends, like just making shit up as like what we do. <laughs> let's, let's mess with them because they're just treating us like a numbers game. So who cares? Yeah, yeah, and it, it was, and it was so beautiful. Also, the way the artist uh, created the frames that were just like them falling in love, and there was no dialogue involved, and it was so beautifully done that I was just like, "Oh, that that's like it doesn't need any dialogue." You took the moment, especially in the pacing of the comic, to just show those like just very minute things that just kind of kept progressing the relationship, and it was. I, I don't know. I, I'm very excited about this comic. <laughs> I, I think that's uh, where some of the, the comic is the strongest. Like you reminded me of in Geekscape is we're like really versed in a lot of stuff. Like think of a combination between Cliff Robinson, who's a, a comic book cartoonist who, who does a lot of slice of life stuff and like Charlie Kaufman as a narrative creator, you know, you've seen Charlie Kaufman's films and th uh, things like eternal sunshine or, uh, 
or being John Malkovich. And, and I haven't watched this new one that he's got on Netflix uh, where it's, I don't want to live here anymore. Or whatever. That, it's like, oh, that, that seems like a big investment. <laughs> seems like a big emotional investment for me. All of his movies are big. Well, emotional. 2020, <laughs> like, yeah, a Charlie Kaufman movie might just put me over the edge. But if right. you think of like a Charlie Kaufman type world uh, as it, kind of starts out normal and slowly starts progressing into a rabbit hole of reality uh, mixed with the, the cartoon, but also definitely with that European flavor uh, of kind of a, a slice of life, Cliff, Cliff Robinson thing, or like Jeff Lemire, if you've Jeff Lemire, oh, yeah. like Jeff Lemire's early stuff when he was in Canada, writing things like Essex County. And it was just about these people growing up in a small town. Um, I think that that stuff is, Awesome, and I and, and I really recommend it. Geekscape us go to uh, geniusanimals.net. You can see the whole PDF uh, of all eight chapters and read them all right there. I think you'll know what we're talking about um, when you do. But um, Valley, what what is the road from here? Um, are, you're you're going to continue to pursue this thing as a film or as a series, or you're going to continue to pursue this thing as uh, a, maybe a, a form of in print? Is that right? Yeah, we're trying to figure it out. We were originally going to put it out with an indie comics publisher, which is, you know, it's always hard putting out an indie comic for adults. It's not sure. uh, it's not a, a segment of the market that the that gets a lot of love all the time. There's a couple there's probably right. one or two great books that break through every year, but sure. then the when the pandemic happened, and we didn't even know how we were going to promote it. And we didn't know as new creators in this space, Jude and I were like, what's going to happen here? No one, even, there's no cons that we could even go sit at our table and tell people about it. And we were kind of going crazy at home and we thought, well, why don't we just put it almost for ourselves? Like, let's just put it out online for free and see if people like it. And, and we've been so touched by the response people have had and, and also the stuff that one of the most fun things about putting stuff out there is people will be like, it reminded me of this and it reminded me of this. And then it's all a lot, a lot of times it's stuff I hadn't ever seen or read before. And then suddenly I like the great thing about comics is it's a little bit the wild west. So that's just this weird stuff that wouldn't exist anywhere else that even if you're into it, how frequently do you hear about stuff that you've never heard of before? So that's been super, super fun. Since then, people, we've, we've been touched by the response and people, we, I've been talking to some people about maybe turning it into a TV show or something like that. I'll be honest, it feels, a, I'm excited for it. It also feels weird to just think like, I, I, I've already done that story now. Right. I don't really want yeah. to. Sure. To move on with my life, so we'll we'll find out. I would love to put it out. I would love to get a book version of it out, just because that's how I grew up looking at comics and uh, and reading it in that way is always has always been fun. But we're we're figuring it out right now. We're not so, exactly how we're going to do it. Valley, I had a socially distanced. Uh, this happened Saturday. I had a socially distanced meetup with my good friend Jason Inman, who's published a bunch of comics independently. Uh, he's been a frequent guest on the show, uh, a close friend, and we were just kind of talking about the state of the comic book industry. Um, you know, I buy my comics every week. I go down to uh, you know, not Secret Headquarters, is the one near you, but I go to the House of Secrets here in Burbank, and oh, yeah. And I, and I just feel like comic book stores are great for people that are kind of our demographic, our age. But uh, I told you Geeks gave us about two, three weeks ago on the show to go check out Jerry Conway, the Punisher co-creator's 
Twitter because he had just had this great story about when he was a kid going to DC Comics every week in the late 60s. Uh, he'd go to the, the DC Comics and do an open house. And one day he shows up and he's 13 years old and he has a suggestion for a comic book. And the publisher of DC at the time turns to him and says, hey, how old are you? 13? You're not my demographic. <laughs> but Jerry Conway and those guys ended up inheriting comics in the 70s. And they've basically been writing comics ever since to the detriment of comics and marketing. And now we're looking at a comic book reality for, for published comics that is the COVID-19 2020 reality. If there's anything that's going to force brick and mortar stores across the, uh, the globe, to close, and we all saw that Regal Cinemas, the the British company that owns Regal Cinemas here in the states, uh, is going to basically shutter the Regal Cinemas and be like, "Yeah, we th- thought about coming back. We're not going to do that uh, because the new Bond movie is not coming out, and Dune just pulled their release date. We don't, we can't, we afford to do it. They're going kind of into the hibernation, hopefully just hibernation. Um, we're talking about comic book stores, and let's say you get this thing published, Valley, and I'm going to lead you to the, the conclusion we got to. You publish this thing only to put it where, and and so and so so, and I don't, and I'm not going to be fatalistic. I will I will give you the the light at the end of the tunnel on this one. You've developed this thing, and really the model that you've put up uh, in Geekscape is again go to geniusanimals.net and not just read the book, but what I want you all to do is leave your email there in the slot at the bottom of the page so that Valley can reach out to y'all and keep you updated on what's going on with the book. Because what I think is a, a valuable tool for you with this book is not just the quality as a showcase for what you can continue to do in that medium, but as an audience aggregate for collecting these emails. And if you do publish it, why need a publisher at all? There are a lot of independent print publishers that allow you to print runs of 20, 30, 50, 100, 150, 200 versions of this book. You take this thing, you go straight to this audience who have prepaid for the book off of some kind of a crowdfund type campaign like you have their emails you can say hey we're going to try and put out a print run of this thing we're going to do it to order we're going to run this for a month it's going to be on kickstarter if we hit this number you're all going to get your printed books we're going to print 500 of them or however many you pre-order it's not necessarily kickstarter to get the project made it's just a kickstarter to get the project printed those get mailed out Maybe if you do a little incentive, you get the signature version, maybe a different, you know, this and that. Um, and that's why try and compete with a comic book store owner who only wants to, like, you're going to fight to get one into each comic book store at most because they're worried about making that space there for Spider-Man. Like, and then what you're going to do, and I'm telling you this, I'm telling you right now is... Man, next you're going down the whole trail. Oh, no, I've got, uh, listen, I'm his manager now in the comic store. <laughs> Really? No, no, listen, everybody's listen. managing too. Everybody and on the then, podcast. Then what like, okay. do? Once he's run this Kickstarter, and I'm going to let this kick, let's, let's let the economy recover post Trump a little bit. Let's say this this Kickstarter is going to be <laughs> this Kickstarter is going to be February March. Okay. The print the print it's going to go to the printers April May. You're going to get these things in your hand in June, and you're going to bring them to the excess because you're always going to order like 50 more, maybe 30 more. You're going to bring those to the Geekscape booth at Comic-Con San Diego next summer, 2021. We're going to have Valley as a guest at the Geekscape booth right there on the floor. Uh, the so idea like, of there being a con again is so, it, it seems so, so nice. wild. It's so idealistic. <laughs> and, 
And if there's not a con, it's going to be 2022, Valley. <laughs> My choice seems a little bit more realistic in terms of a vaccine and a global vaccine. Oh, hey, Matt. Inject me with the vaccine the week before. I'll be at Comic Con the following week. I'll probably like start mutating into the Hulk. But Lyndon, I think you're just on steroids. I think you're just on a shit ton of steroids right now. <laughs> you're feeling good. Now, can I ask you a question back from your conversation with your friend? Because uh, Secret Headquarters is my local shop too, and I and oh, I, I got love you. I drove, yeah. past your house. I drove past your house this morning. That's perfect. <laughs> and, and one of my favorite things is to go down there and now they know what I like. And and I always cut every time I walk into a comic store, I say the same thing. Do you have anything that's weird and funny? And they all they all in the great thing is every comic book store, they, they do. And they often bring up stuff that I've never heard of before. And it's kind of amazing because it's it's that's how I discover new stuff. How, and admittedly, I think Secret Headquarters is a particularly amazing store, and that staff is like particularly wonderful. But I do believe every comics book store has those people there. If you do, if you can't, if you don't have those spaces, how do you, how do you do discovery? Like, how do people find out about stuff? How do you cut through? Like, what, how would you yourself or you guys find new stuff that, that, that you love? Well, the truth is we're like in America, we're not necessarily supposed to be because the comic industry will not, I mean, it doesn't survive. Like we're starting to hear DC comics wanting to start going further and further down the, the sole trade paperback route. Uh, and secret headquarters is designed to be mainly for us, the people in our demographic and our age group, because it is, it is heavy on the trade paperback. They don't yeah. put a lot of self, shelf space up for, uh, monthly comics uh, and monthly comics should be geared towards kids, but without the spinner racks and the Safeways and the Ralphs uh, and the, the the grocery stores, I I think that it's doomed. Even with these enormous five hundred million dollar advertisements that Disney puts out for comic books, I think that that we monthly comics are doomed. I think what we have to do is we have to look to the places like where your artists screw up culturally, and be like, okay, in France and in Japan. These are things that that weren't killed by the comics code in the 60s, in the 50s, where comics started to cut out the romance, cut out the violence, cut out the the different genres, and start gearing straight towards comic books uh, that that included superheroes. This is something that, that is this is a problem that's very American, is this tailoring towards superhero comics, and it has led us. It's like if you went to the movies this weekend, which <laughs> it's just a fantasy during COVID. Everyone's doing it. Yeah. Valley, <laughs> if for the last thirty years we had been going to the movies and we only had westerns, how would there still be movies? And comic books have faced that reality for the last thirty years. We're predominantly here in the states. They have only really been superhero books and yeah. had shelf space for superhero books. So you go to France, you go to Japan, and you see people reading manga or more mature titles, you know, in public. And it's not just kids. It's not just males in our demographic. It's moms and dads and, mo- you know, it's, it's the people doing the grocery shopping. These are, this is an acceptable storytelling format and, and everywhere really, but the Western or U S audience. So how do we build that back? How do you discover those books? Well, right. first off, we don't hide them. And I love Secret Headquarters. I love our stores because you're right. They're the indie record stores where it's like, hey, have you heard this band? But we have to start breaking it apart. And we have to start making more comics for your mother, for your dad. I think uh, Genius Animals is a great 
uh, option for support. them. That, that's the thing is that like, especially because I'm so deeply ingrained in comedy in the comedy space, like that was one of those things that I just like, when I, when I started reading it, I just like, it hit immediately. And I was like, oh, I just, I want to keep reading and keep reading. Like my, my local one is Earth to Comics and I, I love them so much. I haven't been near them. Recently, <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm afraid to go out. I'm a very agoraphobic at the moment, but Comixology has been kind of my go-to space. It's a digital space that you can like, and I think the thing that really does promote comics at the, is this kind of conversation this back and forth and the like what is it that you're reading at this point you know like what is it that you're into yes um, and a lot of the times like I have a friend who used to work at BuzzFeed who just gave me a stack of comics for my birthday and was like I think you would like these here take these and that that's the time where I was like oh yeah no and like it's just like knowing each other's like loves and dislikes and, and whatnot and the fact that like um when when Jonathan told me that you were coming on and I was like starting to read a little bit more about you. I was like, Oh, well, this is my jam. Like this is no, like, no. she said, every- she said, I'm going to need to dress up. Where's my bow tie. Like, <laughs> nope, very clear not at all. That conversation went Katie. Listen, she started, I am know, making money after this. I'm not uh, making money here. I am making money after this. Some of us, you're not getting paid. Here. I'm getting paid a ton for this. Wait, just what? Well, yeah. <laughs> Who takes Venmo? <laughs> Speaking of Venmo, I'm at Elsass. No, okay. Uh, <laughs> no, seriously. I, the company is called The Go Game, and it's very orange, so there's a big orange theme. Anyway. <laughs> it's a Trump company. It's a, no. Oh, no. You're working for the orange person. No. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm going to pull that joke because I don't want you getting fired. Thank you. Uh, we got Rick on YouTube in the comments saying that Pirate Bay High Seating Torrents works as a curated list of high quality content. Am I like, um, I'm going to go ahead and say and throw that one away, Rick, partially, because I think that obviously we can't maintain the overhead and the amount of work. Again, you heard Valley just say that he spent three years on this book once it had already been written, just in the artistic side. Um, that will not cover anybody's overhead giving it away for free, but if we did discover some form of a Spotify model as an artist, that's also pretty heavy handed and how, I mean, uh, heavily one-sided, I don't know how to do a Spotify model for comics and what the, that would be interesting though. Like if you could have a curated like selection, like, Hey, I'm into these like top five buzzword type things. Like I mean, that's the takeaway. And, And Rick continues on Twitter to say Twitter mentions from people I like, does lead to books on his wish list. So is there mm-hmm. an Amazon version of a Spotify playlist that Ooh. Jonathan, Katie, Valley creates an Amazon wish list, not an Amazon wish list type, hey, this is what I'm reading, this is what I'm all about, and just throws it up there. I think this is a, a, a problem that, um, not unlike uh, Valley's wife running for, for office, we have to go down ticket to solve a lot of this stuff. It's not just going to be like, oh, DC and Marvel have to fix this because they really are, they can lose money for the next 50 years in comics and they don't care because it's pretty clear that this is a very valuable IP generation tool for them where they're just establishing stories that they can later spin off and their bigger investments on screen that have an actual return for them rather than Spider-Man, which let's be clear, in the early 90s, it had a print run in the millions, now has a print run of about 100,000. I could walk in Valley's neighborhood and hand Spider-Man comics out and be done with that print run pretty quickly. The print runs are down. 
how as an independent creator do you grow this thing back up again like this is a down ticket option uh, yeah. uh, solution we have to as independent creators start building them up and you've mentioned brian k vaughn i mentioned jeff lemire these are guys who have worked for the, the big two in comic books but they've also led them hey you, you, you enjoyed what you got here now try my indie book try my saga try mm-hmm. my Rick remender book try these different books and it's got to come from the bottom up. Um, and I've been fascinated by what I see on Panel Syndicate too, which is a little bit of the model that you're that you're talking about. I don't know how much people are going there to get their books, but it has kind of a the, sort of the music equivalent of Bandcamp, I, I think, where you can kind of pay. I I really love the idea that if it's whatever you can whatever you can pay for a lot of that stuff. And that's Brian K. Vaughn is involved in that, and he's put out a few books. Over that format, what's what's really cool about it too is, I think we, you know, one thing that Panelson does is I think we have to break up the format a little bit. Um, you know, again, when movies started suffering at the hands of television and people weren't going, you know, they, they these bastards put buzzers under the seats, they put 3D, they created, uh, you know, different formats. Uh, you know, they brought things out in 70 millimeter. They started doing things that no other format could do. What is the thing that comic books can do that no other format can do? That's a tough call, but ultimately what Panel Syndicate can do is they've not been shy about creating a widescreen comic, a comic that you have to read horizontally, a comic that you have to read out of sequence. I think it's going to take some experimentation and it's going to take a lot of failure. And for an industry that is like has edged itself pretty close to the cliff's edge already, um, it's going to take some brave individuals, braver than I, to to do this thing, unless that real idea comes in. It's like, Jonathan, this is the only way to do it. I'm no savior, though. I've already offered y'all Geekscape for 50 <laughs> The fascinating thing is whenever you go to an indie comics festival, like the, the, co- the people doing weird, interesting content, which to me seems like it should be the hard part, they're there. Like you go there and you're suddenly like, all of this stuff looks so weird and cool. Like I want to look at every single thing. Uh, why doesn't someone give a create a pipe to, from so I don't have to wait once a year to go to the LA Comics Art Fest to see it? Yeah. And what's the distribution format for that? You know, I thought that the iPad really was going to solve a lot of these problems with things like Comicsology and and Panel Syndicate and these things. I thought that the iPad, but at the end of the day, people are just taking their two D printed comics. They're five by eight, four color funnies and putting them on. And I think it's got to go beyond that. I think there has to be a level of interactivity. And I think the the canaries in the coal mine, as I tell some of my new media students and things like that is we have to look at the, the, the companies that are, that are the, the industries that are very adaptable and very quick to adapt with technology and also distribution music, which has a quick distribution turnaround and lower production overhead. And we have to look to video games, which is which embraces technology fearlessly out of just competitive need. And what level of interactivity and what level of art artistry can the video games teach us? And what level of tearing down in quick distribution and cheap distribution can music teach us? Like the MP3 in YouTube saved music in a lot of ways. What are these? Where are these saviors for comics? What is that equivalent in comics? And Neil Fisher on Facebook just says, I'm just loving this topic, how to get eyeballs on comics, how Japan and France have lost the kids and soup stigma of comics and love kickstarting comics and love how digital comics are growing fast while indie comics 
uh, Kickstarter comics are also doing great. I don't know, man. I'm telling. I'm, listen, I'm just trying to get Valley to kickstart a print version. And be, <laughs> and like, I'm just trying to get him to hang out with me in San Diego last next year because I, we've been doing the best. That'll be easy. That that for okay. nothing. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Once you spend a summer in San Diego, a week in San Diego with me, you'll be t- done. You'll be like, uh, I can see why people don't come back. <laughs> two kids, man. You, they're in a heartbeat. I'll be waiting for you. <laughs> Rick Hill on YouTube comes back with embrace new technologies. Digital comics can sell non uh, fungible tokens that are tradable, collectibles. Oh, that's that's a cool idea. Trading and collecting comics digitally signals your fandom. Oh yeah, like a badge system. That would be cool and can ap- appreciate in value. I think that might be tough. Appreciating value might be tough. You have to have a limited uh, print type of idea. Buy a digital comic, get an NFT. There's something there. I think there's something there. Yeah. Uh, the NBA is releasing NFTs. I know no one knows what they are now, but they could be big. And you know what? There might be something there they get issued on blockchains this conversation is about to get way too smart for me but thank you <laughs> thank you rick though not to be confused with rick on youtube rick-to. there's two there's a rickto and a rickto there's a rickto and a rick on our youtube <laughs> very valuable comics that's great yeah Melly, did you think that you were going to have this conversation when you came on came on or i'm always ready to sell blockchain buy blockchain <laughs> I've, bitcoin oh my God. all that <laughs> may have lost millions during the course of this podcast later on he's gonna be wrapping like two chains we're gonna be doing all of it here <laughs> you can't say two chains and not have the echo of two chains <laughs> that's a pretty good echo Escape, let's, let's be clear this whole yeah. episode is just a warm-up for katie to then go to work and have to skip <laughs> okay for a bunch of australian kids yeah, yeah you're hyping up two chains it's really what i'm going for guys <laughs> neil is back with actually what i think is a dangerous suggestion which could work could actually really work financially but might wear out an audience in the same way it has in video games adapt the microtransactions that are in video games to comics and that is the worry that if you do adapt yeah if you do do an entertainment arts model and adapt it uh that that might be tough if you start doing things like skins and and just right right. i mean if there was any way that you could like cross over where you could get like either a skin from the comic or you could get some kind of like i i know profile photos are a huge thing i've got some from ghost of tsushima at the moment like if there's any way you can get like that kind of like a comic photo onto your profile that would be kind of cool too like that that's a cool transaction, but I mean, I personally would recommend to go against the EA model of like in fleecing content. the audience for just cheap content. Um, if there's a way to like get the artwork from the comic and be able to easily scan it, give it to my tattoo artist, and be like, "That's what I want on my face." I think that, like, <laughs> what? That what? I can, I can send you a PDF. Just get an octopus, like all. You think I want to be? Yeah, I'll get an octopus from uh, from Genius Animals, just tattooed yeah. on the side of my yeah. face. Just sort of like, like a, a Mike Tyson, like a feather, thing. Yeah. Like, a crow, like a crow's feather on the other side. Yeah. If you all want to know what I'm talking about, I'm not just randomly <laughs> rambling. That I usually do. But not now. Uh, go to Real Genius. Uh, actually, Real Genius is a fantastic <laughs> movie. Don't that also looks great. Just if, you, uh, if you're looking for stuff to do, that's also a pretty good use of your time. <laughs> uh, GeniusAnimals.net is where you can find Valley's book. Um, yeah. yeah, and check it yeah. out. I don't know. Have, have you enjoyed your Geekscape Valley? Is this? Fun? I have enjoyed this. This is fun. You know what? Like, it's so because we're all stuck in quarantine. I don't really get to meet like 
people who are into the same stuff that I don't haven't known for 20 years already anymore for like half a year now. So mm-hmm. that is one thing that has been very fun about publicity. And mostly it's been on social media, which is nice, but you, the returns to that get slower. This yep. is a more real conversation, which I am, which I am enjoying. And dude, you just blind emailed me. Like, yeah, I don't know. How, it must have been via social media. I saw some stuff that you guys were doing, and I went to the site, and I don't. It's I can't. I can't remember how I even found it. He's not a total idiot. He hired a female co-host, so I think. Uh, <laughs> I I'm mean, gonna, I'm gonna roll the dice on this one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Where did you grow up, Valley? Where did you grow up? I grew up in North Central Pennsylvania, right on the New York New York State border. What about you guys? Are you guys from LA? No, no, I'm I'm not a unicorn. I'm from Arizona, so I completely cut off ties to that section of my life. But uh, born in California, grew up a little bit in North Carolina, and then jumped to Arizona. Now I'm here. Where in North Carolina? <laughs> uh, uh, I believe um, Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Oh, nice. Great basketball team. Team Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, but you're not talking about the uh, Hornets. I know. Um, I'm in college. <laughs> uh, I, I just tell people I grew up in a space prison, mm. uh, but nobody believes me. So I just say Austin, which is where I grew up. Um, oh, but nice. This is all old stories for Geekscapists. And again, Geekscapists, I've been doing this show. Uh, and last week we celebrated International Podcast Day here on the show, and I love doing it. All of our old episodes going back to 2006 are up on the uh, on the whatever podcatcher you're listening to this on, if this is your first Geekscape, like hit that share button or hit, you know, leave us a review and, and enjoy it. But the main thing is we're here for you. We're here for the uh, talking to the audience. And we're here for our guests. So again, you want to go to geniusanimals.net and check out Valley's work and Valley as a TV writer, your writer producer on modern family and 30 rock. My name is Earl. Uh, what's going forward with you? Are you starting to get back into a writer's room? Are you able to start putting things back together? Because there is slow movement on some of this stuff. Yeah, I'm working on a pilot right now. But actually, this reminded me, this may be a story that you guys and your Geekscape fans would enjoy. I used to work at ABC Studios, and I had an office down the hall from Stan Lee. No. And we used to work, uh, He, my the sort of snack room where I would go get my coffee was down his hallway. So I used to walk down it every day. And of course, this is probably one of, was one of 30 Stanley offices around LA and New York. So he was never there. But one day I remember going to my office and his conference room, I get go to get coffee and his conference room was open. And I was like, Oh, this is crazy. So I peeked inside and it was totally empty but there was a big conference table in the middle of the room. There was six bars of boxed Irish spring soap in the center of the conference table. Then on the whiteboard, it had act one, act two, act three. There was nothing else on there except at the bottom of act one, Stanley had written gets magic powers. (laughs) 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 And that was it. That, 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 I, I never saw Stanley. I came back the next day. The door was closed again. I have no idea what project that was for. That was it. That was my Stan. That's my Stanley no, experience. At the end of Act One, he got magic powers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was like, this checks out. This seems like Stanley's story breaking room. That's a that's a writer's 
Yeah, that's how you break a story for like Thirty Rock or Modern Family, right? Like that's how you do that. Yeah, you you start with there. You, I assume it got more refined. I, I'm very eager to know what that ended up being. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I, yeah. What, I just think that that is like a uh, graduate level class on writing comics or writing superhero stories to Stan Lee way. If he's yeah. like, by the end of the first act, he does not have superpowers. Like, what are you doing? We have a problem. Yeah. I was so happy. I was like, this could not have been more perfect. This is exactly what I want. I don't want any more information than this. <laughs> well, Geeks gave us, Stan was a longtime fan of, uh, or in friend of the show. We ran, we, we threw a Comic-Con party with Stan and his company and we had him on the show and, uh, some of that stuff is up on the channel you're watching right now. If you're watching this on YouTube at Geekscape TV, um, and we miss Stan dearly, and we oh we Just really really miss Stan. He was the best. Even though the first time we met him, we asked for a station ID, and he called us Dickscape. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and notch that one up to my mumbling and try to explain what. The name of the was the he telling was. a joke, you think, or he just was like, <laughs> Yeah, that's we, it. We that's were, what it is. We were on a red carpet, and I said, Can you just say you're watching Geekscape? And he said, You're watching Dickscape. And I was like, Well, that's pretty accurate, too. Do you have that as a t shirt yet? Because I would totally buy that. As, you're watching Dickscape. Do you hear Katie? I, Katie's trying to work her way to San Diego Comic Con next year as well with a little merch. No, I will tell you I was at Kamikaze Con? What was it? Yeah, that was Sans. Yeah, was- yeah, yeah. That, I, I was helping a friend out. She does um, original zombie gnomes. It's like the little... Um, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're fantastic. And um, I <laughs> was helping her out. I was wearing like a gnome hat and a beard and just like you know, barking to everybody who passed by. And lo and behold, at one point, Stanley is walking down. And I don't remember what I was saying, but I was just like, hey, you son, do you want to have a zombie gnome hat or whatever? And he was just like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was the only Stanley interaction. He just thumbs up, yeah, and just walked on by. <laughs> Let's let's wrap this up because Katie's got to go to work. But um, yes. George Pepper, real quick, says, "Do you think LA Comic Con is going to happen this year?" Well, we I think we talked about it last week on the show. LA Comic Con is scheduled to work uh, to to go up the second weekend in December. They're being they're being very open with the idea that the city of LA and the convention center will tell them no if the circumstances go away. And they, I think they are taking safety precautions. I'm going to go ahead and. Uh, I mean, it's not, I don't know. They've, they've sent me an email about perhaps hosting some of their stage events like I did last year, but um, I don't need to do those things uh, <laughs> yet. I, I mean, I am I am a huge supporter from the very first year of that convention that was Kamikaze and was Stan's convention. Um, but um, I think we got to play it a little bit smarter here at Geekscape. I can't exactly open the show and be like, hey, y'all need to vote and be pro-science and then turn around and be like, don't mind if I do. I got to talk to Todd McFarland. <laughs> like, yeah. People are forgetting about Todd McFarland. If he doesn't get out there on the stage, how will people know? How will he be relevant? Yeah. 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 Well, so like, how, uh, how much are you going to be involved in LA Comic Con then? I might be the only guy there. <laughs> I can't tell. Let's sidestep the whole thing and just go download his book and read his book at GeniusAnimals.net. Uh, Val, thanks for coming on the show, dude. Anytime. Thanks so much for doing this show, guys. This has been oh, so God. fun, especially, you know, 
I hear it all the time, but in times like this, it's fun to just goof off and laugh about cool, weird things. It's a blast. Well, you're, you're a homie now. You're a geekscapist. If you need anything from Katie or I, just reach out. And I'm not being facetious. I would love to borrow some cash if that's Let's possible. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, about, once I both. finish this game later on tonight, yeah, I got Just like guys. 30 grand. I'm good for it. Oh! oh. <laughs> yeah. He's going he's to skip the whole Kickstarter and just go straight <laughs> to printing his own books. Like, oh, yeah, that yeah. Kickstarter thing? It's nah, pretty it sounds like a lot of work. Sounds like a sounds like a pain in the ass. Uh, Geekscape is you know what to do. Jinkusanimals.net. We're Geekscape. Um, you can find us anywhere and everywhere online. Just search for Geekscape and follow us. And uh, there's that. Some of y'all have asked where you could like watch our award-winning film. Uh, if you find me on Twitter or Instagram and you click on the link uh, in the bio, that'll take me to take you to my link tree. And I've gone ahead and put the ticket window for the final week of Chasing Fletcher Allen playing. Um, up there, and I think you'll recognize some Geekscape friendly faces in there beyond Katie and behind beyond Heidi. You'll see Phil Lamar, who you all love from, I don't know, a million things, yes. Mad TV and all that, uh, but also Cooper Barnes, who you know from Nickelodeon's Henry Danger and Danger Force, uh, Eugene Bird, who you saw in a million things like Arrow and Eight Mile, he's been on the show, uh, and I know I'm forgetting a million things. Damien Portier, who was the original Thanos for uh, Joss Whedon in his Avengers films. Uh, we just kind of pa- oh Yuri Lowenthal who plays Spider Man in the yeah, PS4 yeah. version has been everything. I <laughs> talked to him yesterday. Uh, yeah. Guys, this is a, basically a movie that we made with and for you. So go enjoy it. Um, and that's about it. Um, Keith Gavis, I love you. Katie's got to go to work. Sorry, and, uh, <laughs> Valley Valley has to go back to normalcy uh, or whatever it is in 2020. Uh, geniusanimals.net Geekscape loves you don't hate create uh, for Katie and for Valley thank you tell your friends about us leave a review and all that over and out peace thanks everybody you're listening to the Geekscape Network 